Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, we thank you for being with us. If you would be opening your Bibles to Psalm 127, uh, we won't have the passages on the screen tonight, so we would encourage you to take your Bibles and turn along with us. What a wonderful period of worship. Sunday nights are truly special. We're thankful that God gives us the opportunities to come together as a church family and to sing praises to Him, to pray to Him and study from His Word. And what a wonderful blessing it is uh, that we have this opportunity. And it's a blessing that we get to share this uh, with each other. And so we thank you for being here and being a part of it. Uh, there are a lot of blessings that we need to talk about. And let me mention some of those. We could stay on each one for many, many minutes. But uh, let me just kind of move on if I can kind of quickly. And I know the burden's on me, but I'm going to try. Tuesday morning begins the ladies Bible class at 10 a.m. in room 100 A.B. That's this coming Tuesday. All ladies are invited. It's a wonderful period of Bible study. Uh, you're invited. Please come and be a part of that. It'll begin this Tuesday. Second. We just want to bask in the joy that our fall focus as of this morning is off to a powerful and wonderful start. Uh, we appreciate Tim Martin preaching this morning and the tremendous lesson that uh, he preached kicking off our entire quarter. And then for each of you teachers, there's been so much positive feedback just today of individuals appreciating the study. And we know that this particular study Teachers are going to have to study a little harder and a little bit extra. And each of you that are doing that, we appreciate it. And we also know you as students are studying hard. And, and it, I really believe that this quarter, we will not know until eternity the blessings that will come out of this quarter of study. There may be some here that we need the shorelines of our faith shored up. And we need to really, really know what is this book that we call the Bible? And this quarter is going to give us the opportunity to study God's Word to find out what is it? Really, what is it? And it's going to be powerful. It, it already has begun to be powerful. And we just look forward to that. Now, will you do this? Will you be praying about it? Will you be thinking about who we can invite? There's a world around us that some out in the world have questions about God's Word. And they don't have anywhere else to go to find answers of truth. And so let's invite them to come and be a part of a study that will help them see what God's Word is all about. The teenagers will have a Bible class emphasis day on Wednesday. And uh, this is a lot easier for you to say than for me. But they are inviting all of their friends to the cocoon could kick off cookout. And that starts at five o'clock this coming Wednesday. Now they know that, but we need to make sure that you as parents know that, you as grandparents know that, and also all of us that have neighbors that we look at a, at a sixth through 12th grader next door and we think, I wish I could do something to help them. Invite them to this. It would be a wonderful, wonderful time for guests from the community to come, to be a part of a tremendous evening and to learn about God. And so we want to encourage you to know that, plan on that. The young people are going to do their part of making that a huge and a great day. Uh, we mentioned to you uh, several weeks ago that Matt Brown was filling in at Wingate as uh, preaching while they were looking for a preacher. And they have now hired a preacher and we just are thankful for Matt and his willingness to fill in during that time. And the new preacher that they've hired is Matt. And so Matt Brown is the preacher at the Wingate 
Church of Christ. He still has his senior year of college, but he is doing a tremendous job. No surprise to any of us that know Matt. And so we rejoice with him and are thankful for him. We're thankful for the Brown family, for, for uh, the good that they do throughout the years and do even now. And we are just thankful and rejoice with Jeff and Lisa and Claire and, and with Matt. Also, we'd be amiss if we didn't say to each of you, some of the most special people on earth, Happy Grandparents Day. This is National Grandparents Day today, and uh, we just want to wish you Happy Grandparents Day. Uh, Tracy and I heard news just the other day that we're going to enter that realm at least by next Grandparents Day, and so uh, we're thankful for that, and we're looking forward uh, to that and joining your ranks in uh, a few more months. Now, as, as we think about the theme that brings us into a few Sunday nights of study, I realize that there are many individuals here that you don't have your children at home anymore. I hope that all of us can appreciate a study about parenting because it helps us build the foundation for the next generation. I believe everyone here wants the Mount Juliet Church of Christ to do well for generations. We want the Lord's kingdom to do well for generations. A lot of it, a lot of it lies on the shoulders of parents. Who are we raising? Listen, it really, really makes me angry, and that doesn't make it a more powerful point, but it just makes me angry when someone looks over at a child and they shrug their shoulders and, and they scoff at the child and they say, kids these days. Listen, kids aren't born bad. When we see kids that are on the wrong path today, it's because parents have not given them the foundation that they need. Now, I understand that eventually that child is going to reach an accountable age and that child then will have to decide how they're going to live. In other words, we as parents can do everything that we can do, but eventually that child has to decide for themselves. If we didn't believe that, we would believe in the doctrine of once saved, always saved. All we have to do is start a child off on the right path and they could never leave that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that, but we do understand this. We understand that every child that's given a firm foundation in the faith has a huge head start on living a faithful Christian life. And when we see children at young ages misbehaving, that has to come back on the parents. And so I want to challenge you tonight to realize the great responsibility that we have as a church family to exalt God's plan of parenting. I know a while back I shared this with you and honestly, I can't remember how long back it was. So if it was a few months ago, please pardon me. But hopefully it's been longer than that. I think about Bill Cosby and it's not scripturally correct, but he tells how he thinks that all this came about. And he goes back to the very beginning. God made Adam and Eve and he placed them in the garden. And he said, by the way, Eve, Son, there is a tree in the middle of the garden and you're not to eat of that tree. And Adam turns around and says, Eve, did you know that we have forbidden fruit in the garden? And, and God says, now listen, you understand, you, you can't eat of it though. And Adam says, why not? And God says, because I'm your father and I told you so. And so he turns around and he walks off, God does, thinking it probably would have been better to just stop after he made the elephants. And, and after a little bit, he looks back over and he sees Adam and Eve, his son and daughter. He sees them taking a forbidden fruit break. And he comes back over and he says, Adam, what, 
what are you doing? I, I can't believe it. I, we just had this talk and you're, and, and I'm says, uh, and he looks over at Eve and he says, Eve, what are you doing? She says, I don't know. And he looks back over at Adam and Adam says, she made me do it. And he says, did not, did to, did not, did to, did not. Finally, God says, hey. And finally, Eve says, it's a serpent's fault. He was standing over there on four legs or eight or 16 or how many legs he had then. And, and he's, he's, she's blaming him. And finally, finally, God says, you're just going to let me think here for a minute what I'm going to do to punish you for disobeying me. He thinks and then he gets a sly grin on his face. He says, I know what I'll do. I'll give your children of your own. <laughs> now, <clears throat> we know that that's not how children came about. Even though children can sometimes be a challenging responsibility, I'd like for you to look with me at Psalm 127 and let's be reminded at the beginning of this series that will go for a few weeks. Let's think at the beginning of this, really, where do children come from? When we read Psalm 127 and verse 3, behold, children are a heritage. Notice that word, are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Do you notice those strong words that describes the worth of children? Children aren't a punishment from God. Children are an inheritance from God. They're a heritage from God. One, the word points to the idea of one generation gives to another, except this generation is the almighty God. Out of all of the great gifts he could give, he has created this wonderful gift. And he says, I want to give you the gift of children. And he calls children fruit. We think of something that, that fruit is, it is productive, it is reproductive, but it is positive. And he says, I want to give you a fruit. And he says that fruit is going to be a reward. In other words, it is something wonderful. It is something beneficial. And then he gives an analogy or an illustration here that probably in our culture today, it kind of goes over our head. But I want you to just think back in their day and time, you're a man and you're a warrior. And there's two here and you pick which one you want to be. Here's one man and he is about to go into battle and, and he looks over in, in his quiver that, that the little container that holds his arrows and he only has two or three arrows and he's about to go into battle. And then there's this man over here. He is a warrior also about to go into battle and he looks at his quiver and it is full of arrows. Which one you want to be? God says, this man is blessed. And he says, the man that has children, that's this kind of man. I think I'm starting somewhere in this lesson that you probably are already there, but I want to reinforce it. We live in a culture where children are not always considered or treated as if they were a blessing from God. I think about an article I read a few years ago, and there was nothing comical about this article. It was written in a business magazine. 
And they told, if I remember right, it was nine things you could do to assure wealth. And one of the nine things you could do that would help you become wealthy, according to this business article, was forego having children. Children don't have a high worth or a high value in our society. Oh, society tries to talk like it, but society doesn't treat them like it. And you and I have to really stop at this moment and think, are children really a gift from God? Because if God gives a gift and gives a gift that he says is this wonderful, wonderful gifts come with great responsibility. Am I as a parent going to do with this gift what God expects me to do with this gift? Listen, this community is full of individuals that have put their job before their kids. They'll put the square footage of their house before their kids. They will put their hobbies and their own arrogant ways before their kids. And I'm not suggesting to you that we take kids and we put them up on a pedestal and we make them the God of our life like others in our society do. We're walking a balance here. But we must realize that when we become parents, we receive a valuable gift that comes with a great responsibility that is going to demand sacrifice. And it's all worth it. When we think about Jesus, God on earth, for just a moment, erase from your mind how he got here. You're God. Christ can come in any way to this earth how is he going to come? God chose the exalted gift of a baby. Let that sink in. Infancy, babies being given on the earth had never been esteemed so highly that when out of all the ways God could have come to earth, he came to earth through the womb of a mother to be held to the bosom of a mother to have a man in his life that would adopt him in and treat him as a father would treat a son that he loves dearly. That same God on earth would grow up and he would pull out a child and say, such is the kingdom of heaven. He would see his own disciples turning children away. After all, they're not important enough for things like we're dealing with. He says, suffer the children to come unto me. I want to remind all of us parents, do we really, really realize the gift that God has given us. Will you walk through an exercise with me quickly? All of you that have children, I'd like for you for just a moment, and I know there's going to be something crazy that's an exception to somebody here, so you make whatever exceptions you need to make. But for most of us, I want you to think back to the birth of your first child 
And I want you to think about the first time a child was placed into your arms. That's your child. You remember that feeling? Maybe it was accompanied with some fear, that feeling of great responsibility. But do you remember that joy? Do you remember that feeling of, wow, how great is this? You know, I remember Colton, our first, being born. We were living in Long Island. He was born out in the Hamptons, and, and, and that was a small hospital. And they told us when we toured the hospital ahead of time, you're going to love this hospital because there's never more than one or two mothers here, and you just get pampered because it's never busy here. We're a small hospital. He was born on a full moon. We went in in the middle of the night, and women were having babies all over that hospital. <laughs> And, and that was back in the days where you had a labor room and, and then you had a delivery room, then you had a recovery room, and then you finally went to your hospital room. Well, they just cleared out the labor room for us and we got there. We didn't stay there very long and the, the team was in one of the two delivery rooms. And, and for those of you that didn't live back in those days, it just kind of looked like an, an operating room. It's kind of cold and, and just that environment. It's not like today in the nice, beautiful hospital rooms. And, and, so, and so they had to pull the team that was delivering that baby out to come over to deliver Colton because he was about to be born. And so they rush out of the door and they rush in and, and they deliver Colton and they kind of clean him up just a little bit. They swaddle him tight in a blanket and the nurse looks over at me and I'm every bit of 23 years old and, and, and the nurse looks over at me. We're, you know, 1,000, 1,500 miles away from family, middle of the night. I'm the youngest in the family. How many babies have I ever held? And she looks over and she says, we have got to go next door and finish delivering that other baby. Can you hold him, please? <laughs> My beautiful wife is kind of in that sleepy pass out mode on that cold table there. I'm in a stool right beside her. And Colton and I, we just stare at each other for about 45 minutes, an hour. And I wouldn't give anything for that hour. Oh, it was so awesome. The prayers that were said, the feelings, the thoughts. I wonder what, I wonder how, I wonder if. I want you to think back to when that child was placed in your arms. And tonight I want you to remember God is saying to you through His Word, I gave you a gift. I, God, gave you a gift. It's the fruit of a womb that is the fruit of reward. I want you to recognize that just like if you were a warrior, you wouldn't want to go in battle with, with just a few arrows. You would think arrows were priceless. You would think, I've got to get more of them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up my arrows for anything. I'm going into battle. He says, I want you to have that mindset for your children. I want you to see how wonderful they are. I want you to see how priceless they are. As we see the worth of our children, we realize the greatest responsibility we have is to set them on a course. If we truly recognize how priceless they are, we recognize that they must be protected, that they must be guided, that there must be a destination for which we point them toward.
I want you to think about that ultimate destination as we think about intentional parenting. I want us to go back to a passage that if you've been awake any lately, you're going to say, we've read this not many weeks ago. I can't help it. It's the Bible and this is where it goes back to. If you will look at Genesis, the first chapter, I want to remind you of some things in the beginning because there's so many things that when we talk about relationships. We have to go back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 to truly understand them because that is the origin of all this and that's where we learn so much. You remember when we read Genesis 1 and 26, then God said, let us, we're, we're talking in forms or words that point to relationship. Let us make man in our own image. Notice us, notice our. What is the Godhead doing here? The Godhead is referring to the fact that they already had relationships before mankind was ever created. And so then it says, okay, I'm gonna make man in my own or our own image. Look at 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them, Drop down to the second chapter in verse seven. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. What do we have here? Remember we have two things being pointed out here that's after his image. One most certainly must be the fact that there was a soul breathed into man different from all the animals we are going to live and be in existence even after this physical life in this body is over. We die physically. We don't go out of existence because God breathed into our nostrils the breath of eternal life. Secondly, we're made after his image because we're made in such a way to share relationships, not only with each other, but we have the opportunity to share a relationship with God. You remember back a few weeks ago, we talked about the animals. They may have some form of way that they interact with each other, but what we call relationships, they don't have anything to the depth and the meaning of what we have the opportunity to share in because we're made after the image of God. Now, I want you to think about your children. That baby is handed to you. And that baby has a soul that will live forever, somewhere. That is an amazing gift that God gives us. And the question is, what are we going to do to point that child in the right direction? Every journey has a destination. So the way we raise our children, we are leading them down a journey that we as parents must be smart enough, we must be wise enough to say, I want to know the destination first so that then I can choose a journey that's going to lead to that destination. Pilots, from what I understand, they don't even fire up the, the engines or, or the jets. They do not even start the plane until they know the destination and they have filed a flight plan. They have already calculated how much fuel is going to be needed. You see, as Stephen Covey made popular many years ago, he made popular the saying, begin with the end in mind. 
great parenting, and I'm not talking about great so you can pat yourself on the back. I'm talking about humble, godly, diligent parents that are trying to do a great job for the glory of God. Great parenting is saying, that child is placed in my arms. That child is a gift from God. And I have an intended an intentional destination for this child. Now there's going to come a time down the road where they're going to have to make their own decisions in life. But everything that I can do up until that time and even encouraging them beyond that time, everything I'm going to do is going to be with that destination in mind. Now it's been said that planes stay off their course 90% of the time. And yet that 90% of the time because of the crosswinds or maybe headwinds at a certain angle. But that 90% of the time, the autopilot or the pilot themselves, they're making corrections and they're bringing it back in line because they know the destination. You see, if they didn't make the corrections and they started hundreds of miles away and they were just slightly off the vertex, where would that lead them if they stayed just slightly off for hundreds of miles? When you think about us raising our children over years, what happens when we're just slightly off and yet we raise our children slightly off course for all of those years and then sometimes as parents we scratch our head and we say, how did they miss it? How did they miss it so desperately or so horribly? Well, could it be that we as parents were never certain of even what destination we were trying to lead them toward. On this next slide, you see a picture of the back of our building. I know it didn't scan well, and I really don't know why it didn't, but it looked a lot better before I scanned it. And, and if, if you could see that a little bit better, one of the things you would immediately say is you would say, that's a picture of the back of our building. Yes, but what's interesting was when that was sketched, that's not what the back of our building looked like. You see that middle last addition of the new education classrooms, the library, the elevator, all of that new addition that's been such a blessing to have those things, that didn't exist when that was being sketched. You see, that was the sketch that was brought to the elders. Say, hey, would, would this be acceptable? Would this be good? And along with that, blueprints were brought this is what the top floor would look like. This is what the middle floor, the ground level. This is what the lower floor that, that goes out of the back. This is what this would look like. And the elders looked at all of that. And, and by the presentation of, of what it would look like, hire a contractor that can build that. Now, I know I'm stating the obvious, but please think about this, parents. We literally knew we knew what that building was going to look like before the first shovel hit the dirt. We knew what those rooms were going to look like before any construction was done. I don't think I'm dreaming this up. I think I remember Jay walking through early one morning and, and he walked through and there was a wall in the wrong place. And of course that was going to mess up things in the plan as, as the construction continued. He got with the contractor, laid out the blueprints. Hey, isn't, isn't that wrong right there? Oh, that is. Yeah, that, that won't work. Now, why was that change made? That day, 
that wall was changed to be placed in the right place. Why? Because everybody involved knew what they were working toward. Listen, when we know what we're working toward, not only is it, oh, well, maybe we'll arrive there one day, but it literally becomes our compass all along the way. One day it dawns on us. You know, what we're doing as a family today is not going to lead us there. We're going to make corrections. We're going to move that wall because it's not in the right place. And we're going to put it over here because that's going to help get us to the right place. You know, that kind of disrespect that we as parents are speaking to our children, it's not going to get our children in the right place. You know, that kind of disrespect that our children are speaking to each other, or they're speaking to us, or they're speaking to their grandparents, or they're speaking to their, their teachers at school, it's not going to get them to the right place. All along the way, there's things we do because it's going to get us to that destination of eternal home with God. And there are things that we're not going to do. And those corrections are continually made because we're trying to make sure that we stay on course. Parents, a gift, a valuable gift has been given to us. What are we doing to set the destination and say, this is where I'm going? I want to remind you of when David's infant was passing away in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter. 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter. While the child was sick, he wept, he fasted, he prayed. Once the child died, they couldn't really understand. The servants around couldn't understand why he seemed so much better. And so this was his explanation. Verse 23, 2 Samuel 12. But now, it's what David said, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David knew that his infant son had a destination. Our children, every one of them, will have a destination. I want you to notice a second thing that is real important for us as parents to have in our mind. When he says, can I bring him back again? And not only is the reminder that once we step over into death, we do not come back to life. But that also is the reminder, we don't even step back into yesterday. You're glad that your three-year-old is not in the terrible twos anymore? You're right. They won't ever be in the terrible twos again. And as crazy as this is, there'll be a day where you'll say to yourself, I'd like to have just a couple of those days back. But you won't get them back. Those opportunities where you were off course yourself and you didn't talk with your kids about God, you didn't pray with your kids, you didn't model Christ-like behavior before your kids, you won't get those days back. And if you want today and tomorrow to be what it needs to be, you have to be that today because tomorrow comes you don't get yesterday back 
all of us surely understand we only pass through this life once. Our children, they only pass through childhood once. What are we going to do? We need to do what's right to lead them to the eternal destination, but we have to realize we must do it now. We don't get a rewind. We don't get a redo. We don't get a, oh, wow. You know, they're, they're about to be teenagers and I just now realize I haven't put any spiritual foundation under them. We don't rewind time. David, what can you tell us about your son? This infant that died, he says, I can tell you he's in heaven. And I can tell you I want to spend eternity with him. And I can tell you there's nothing I can do to ever rewind time and bring him back to this earth. We've got to read Matthew, the 16th chapter. We've been reading this all throughout this year. We're thinking about soul focus. And this particular month, the theme is guiding souls. You see why we're talking about parenting? What are we doing as parents to guide souls close to the Lord? Earlier this year, when we were talking about various aspects of applying this, we applied this to parenting, but I want to do it again. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, look with me at verse 26, our theme verse for the year. For what profit is it, Matthew 16 and 26, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now let's read this the way maybe as parents we could read it and it would help us to realize the wonderful gift we have and the great responsibility we have with this gift. Let's read it again and just apply some things here. For what profit is it to a man, to a mother, to a father, if their child gains the whole world? What if they're voted the most popular? Mr. and Miss, D1 scholarship, honor roll every year, full ride to an Ivy League, most friends on Facebook of any kid in America. What if right out of college, they land a six-figure job? What if they have the next great invention and they're worth over 100 million by 25? What if your kid gains the whole world? You've had them on every sports. You've had them involved in every play. You've had them making straight A's in every class. What if they gain the whole world yet lose their soul, what would that mother or father give in exchange for their child's soul? We as parents, we cry. We hurt. If I were to say to you, Tell me about five of your greatest times in life. Almost any of you that are parents, you would mention several times your children and those five greatest times in life. High mountains, 
create the deepest valleys. And just as children can bring us the greatest joy, children can bring us the deepest pain. And it hurts. It hurts desperately. It hurts horribly. Whenever we realize our child has chosen a way against God. And as I say, they reach a point in life where we can't make them. It reaches a point where it's not on us. But I want to ask you for just a moment. Listen to me, mamas and daddies that got kids at home, listen. When your child is 22 and they've turned their back on the church, they don't care about God, what would you give up then? What would you pay then? What check would you write? What sacrifices would you make? What jobs would you change? Where would you move? What would you do to save your child's soul? Most of us would do almost anything. We'd be like Moses. Take my name out of the book of life and put theirs there. Parents, what if we could realize that today? And what if today we accepted the fact that what makes a great family and gives a child the foundation they need, it can't be bought. It's not about the number of toys and games. It's not about what model of car they get at 16. It's not about the clothes they wear. It's not about how they succeed in a certain club or a sport. It's the foundation where we give them ourselves in service to God. I want to close by reading to you 2 Timothy 3. I wish there were two or three other passages we could put together with this, but maybe on another occasion when we have a little more time, we will. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 14, Paul writes about Timothy. And of course, Timothy was a younger man, but here in this writing, he goes back to when Timothy was a boy. And he says, but you must, this is verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What are we doing to teach our children so that we can say from your youth, you have known the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures that saved your soul. The Scriptures that gave you faith. Do you realize that our task as parents is to teach them God's will and then model it in front of them so they know what it looks like lived out. And all we're trying to teach them is that we want to go to heaven.
I know I said that's the last. This will be the last. Third, third John. I told Tracy the other day that I wanted this on the wall in our house. I'd like to have this on my tombstone. Third John, verse four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. If we want our children to do that in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, we're going to have to have that same mindset when they're two and when they're three and when they're 12 and when they're 13 and when they're 18 and 19. No greater joy. Listen, Daddy. If you can get more excited about your son hitting a grand slam in a championship game than you can get excited about him standing up for the Lord among his peers, there's something wrong with our parenting. When mamas can get more excited about how their girls can look than how they look on the inside to God, there's something wrong with parenting. Let us all have written on the walls of our heart as parents, there's no greater joy than to hear that our children walk in truth. That's what God wants for us, us to be as children, to walk in truth. Tonight, can we help you with that? Is there anything that we can do to help you take a step closer to God? Maybe you're ready to be baptized into Christ and what a wonderful example that would be for family members, but more importantly, for you to be a family member of God. Maybe you've left the way that you know is God's way and you want to come back and walk in the truth. If we can pray with you or for you, if we can help you in any way,